This content may not be suitable for all listeners. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your hosts for the evening. So something not that cool happened. (laughs) The reason why we have been MIA is because um, I was on the verge of a minty bee. (laughs) I was like, where is this going? (laughs) Where did you think it was going? Of course we have to explain why we disappeared for weeks. (laughs) I don't know. I just didn't know what you were going to say. Well, yeah, I was on the verge of a minty bee because there is a person who is pseudo in my life, but not really at all, who is harassing me and trying to get me fired from one of my jobs. So, oh, (laughs) no, I mean, there is also that I am being forced to do emotional labor for people who apparently don't want to go to therapy or who are not talking to their therapist. No, this is not just like venting to your friend. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. And a I am not even friends with him. But it's also not just him. There's just, you know, my my life's in disarray and, you know, it it was a lot. And um that's my bad. So I just hadn't finished doing research until recently. So here we are. Apologies. Please forgive me. I'm just I'm just a girl doing her best in a world that is <laughs> in a world that is <laughs> trying to I'm just Kim. Yes. In a world, in another world, I would be Kenneth. My job is beach. Not, not lifeguard, not surfer, beach. What even is beach? If you haven't already seen Barbie, what are you doing? It's fantastic. I'm for it to come out on HBO Max. That's fair. It was great. Um, so I highly recommend if you haven't already seen it. Obviously, it's not for everybody, but uh, if you have taste, <laughs> I'm kidding. I do want to um, see Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was really good. I will say it's very depressing. We did the um, Barbenheimer okay. thing, so we did it reverse. We saw Oppenheimer first because I was like, I want to see that because I know it's going to be depressing, and then I can cheer myself up with Barbie afterwards. <laughs> I will also say support the um acting and writing strike so like there's laws associated with that did you know that i didn't i did because my sister is a member of sag so i know i know some things not everything but anyway just support them because without them none of these projects would actually be possible so all that to say hi we're back so let's talk about (laughs) Miss Girl Belle Gunness. That is the subject of our episode today. She is, how do you say, wild. I thought that was a beer. (laughs) Guinness is a beer. (laughs) Uh, So Belle Gunness is, um, this story threw me for many loops, I will say. Um, You know how I feel about my historical cases. So this one, you know, it starts in the early 1900s. Well, I guess technically it starts in the end of the 1800s and goes into the early 1900s, but I digress. So, um, without further ado, let's get started. So, Belle Gunness was born Brynhild Paulstatter Storseth. 
probably mispronounced that. I apologize. It's Norwegian. She was born in Norway, uh, Selbu, Norway, on November 11th, 1859. And she's a Scorpio, so that's your first red flag. <laughs> yeah. Her I say, parents having Scorpio in my big three, I'm a Sagittarius, a Scorpio, and a Gemini. I'm a psychopath. Yeah. Yes, she... <laughs> Brit is a walking red flag. I so, um, her parents were Paul and Barrett Storseth, and she was the youngest of eight kids. Um, apparently, the family was poor, and I could understand why, because they have they eight have children. Eight <laughs> That's so many children. Why would you do that to yourself? I guess there weren't, wasn't really, like, birth control that was effective back then. There also That's... probably wasn't that many hobbies. Also true. So, Belle started working on farms at the age of 14 to start saving money so that she could make a trip to the U.S. where her one of her older sisters had moved years before. Why? She finally, well, because <laughs> she was poor in Norway, and I guess, you know, America was the land of opportunity. Um, a ghetto opportunity. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> at the time, though, there was, you know, things to be discovered and places that hadn't been really like discovered yet but you know now now everything's been yeah so she finally immigrated to the u.s in 1881 and she went through immigration at castle garden which was a sandstone fort in battery park at the southern end of manhattan and this was apparently the very first immigration station predating ellis island which i did not know so that's a fun little fact um so when going through immigration, that's when she actually changed her name to Belle from Brynhild. And then she made her way to Chicago, where her sister Nellie and her brother-in-law lived. I changed my name to Belle from Brynhild, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Belle is just easier to say for people, too. So um, while living in Chicago, she worked as a domestic servant, which is, you know, essentially a butler-esque type. Uh, and then she eventually started to work in a butcher shop, and that is very important, so keep that in mind. Okay, so well. Nellie would later go on to say, quote, My sister was insane on the subject of money. She would do anything to get it. She never seemed to care for a man for his own self, only the money or luxury he was able to give her, unquote. And while I can see why that would be important for somebody who grew up in poverty, I also want to say, girl boss. That's 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 all I'm hearing. It's girl boss. <laughs> Just kidding. Girl boss anyway, a little too so, close to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so the crime. So she did multiple crimes, and we're gonna start at the very tippity tip top. So Mads Ditloff Anton Sorensen was apparently this man's full name. The two were married in 1884, and they had two children together, allegedly. Um, there were rumors that the children weren't actually theirs, like, she didn't actually give birth to them. Okay. Because Bella never appeared to be pregnant at any point. Okay. However, I will say, Miss Girl was at least 5'7", which is my height, but some sources even claim that she might have been closer to six feet, like, six feet tall, and she was also considered above average weight as well, so... any, I think it said anywhere between, like, 210 and 280 pounds, so she, you know might not have carried the pregnancy weight the same way uh, because of the fact that she was tall and a little bit larger. So she I will say boned. Um, Yeah. So they owned a candy store together, which is super cute, um, but the business wasn't doing so hot. So eventually, 
the building would mysteriously catch fire and burn down. I wish I would mysteriously catch fire and burn down. (laughs) But then you can't collect on the insurance money. So the insurance money from the store, they were able to buy a house, which also caught fire. (laughs) And yes, everything that everything that burned inside was heavily insured. (laughs) So I want to say that around this time, like even though insurance was a thing, it was not as heavily regulated as it is now. (laughs) And it's probably because of these bitches. (laughs) They they really are. It was, like, so easy to get money. So, like, I would say that that's, that, that's Shit, probably, you know. It's not what <laughs> capitalism does. It's what it can do for you. <laughs> You're not wrong. So, really, she was just exploiting loopholes in the system. And I, mean, I can't say I blame her for that. <laughs> I can't say I blame her. Um, so, she was actually known, apparently, for adopting and or fostering children. It wasn't, like, super specific. But this could also tie back to the fact that the children might not have been hers. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I don't know. So, one of the kids, Jenny Olson, was actually a neighbor's daughter who lived with them at the time that that house caught on fire. And I saw this in one spot, but I don't know if it's actually true or not. Allegedly, there were also two babies that were in the home. Not ones that they actually Where are these like. Choices from this is a lot of alleged children. Well, well, see, that's the thing is that like with older stories, it's hard to know for sure if anything is actually factual or if it's you know journalism making up things or for sensational. Like they did in World value. War One. <laughs> yeah, or like. Um, with H.H. Holmes and his like the news coverage of his murders and stuff. Like, What's it called? Yellow journalism? Say, is that what it's called? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I know that there's probably some sort of term for it, but I don't actually know what it is. I just know that uh, you always have to take everything that you hear from old-timey newspapers with a grain of salt. I mean, you have to do that with today's newspapers, too, but especially back then, because they could literally just <laughs> shit all over people and nobody would say anything. So... Now um, the Republicans say it all! <laughs> they say the quiet part out loud. Um, so... <laughs> so there were uh, like i said allegedly two babies that were also in the home both of whom died from inflammation of the large intestine Me too. which is a side effect of poisoning i will point that out um and of course both of these children had life insurance policies on them convenient i told you <laughs> she's getting these children to fucking get the money me too right i'm gonna go so- to jail on july 30th in 1990 mads came home complaining about having a headache he would later die of cerebral hemorrhage that very same day so bell's story was that she gave him i think it's kinine powder probably didn't pronounce that right i should have looked it up i apologize uh but she gave that to him to help with the pain he went to lie down to rest and then when she came to check on him later he was dead it's not really Um, all that wild this is the 1900s where you could stub your toe and then die so i don't know why they're wild now over this (laughs) (laughs) well the reason they were wild now is because i mean hindsight's 2020 but yes uh (laughs) The, the doctor stated later, so hindsight, that the symptoms that he exhibited did mimic those of being poisoned by strychnine. How would he so, know Because um, he's a doctor. He's supposed to know that shit. He went to the <laughs> one room 
schoolhouse, got his little <laughs> carved degree I, on the fucking they, tree, and they, they said, had medical schools. You have a, you have a horse. You can get there fast. Your daughter. That's how it went down. <laughs> yes, exactly how it did. He ruled it as natural causes at the time, but then he later said that they symptoms mimicked that of strychnine poisoning. This is going so, back to that one room schoolhouse. <laughs> so strychnine, for those who don't know, is a white, odorless, bitter crystalline powder that can be taken by mouth, inhaled, or mixed in a solution and given intravenously. And essentially what it does is it prevents your body... <laughs> I mean, it might as well be. But essentially it prevents your body from stopping production of a chemical that controls nerve signals being sent to muscles. So it'll keep that like off button from turning off or going off whatever you can't stop it from sending these signals so essentially what it does is it causes very painful and severe muscle spasms and eventually the muscles will tire and the person will cease to breathe because you know the muscles are tired of all of the spasming and so then they suffocate and it's a very strong poison only a small amount is needed to cause serious side effects and um it apparently used to be used to treat um, human ailments at one point in a pill form, but uh, today it's used as rat poison. Well, like, so. she can't really go to jail. I mean... <laughs> she could have just said, I could... gave it to him in a pill to treat his ailment. I can't help he die. <laughs> Fair. I don't know when they stopped doing that, though. Like, when they stopped using it as, I like, a pill form. I don't know when they form. put it I in the rat poison. <laughs> I mean, um, I know it's also in, uh, I think, well, is it strychnine? One of the poisons, I think it might have been arsenic, maybe, is used in flypaper, or used to be used in flypaper. Uh, or maybe the rats are going to hate was, this, but it's not for the... There was also, um, I think, wallpaper and a couple of other like household items that had poison in them, like mixed into the chemicals, ingredients, or whatever that they used. And I'm like, damn, they really just were like, put that shit in everything. Up until, like, the 70s, they put shit in fucking paint called lead. Yep, you have to sign right. leases. They'll say, I acknowledge that there's lead poisoning here. <laughs> yeah, it's only so they you can't sue later if you get sick, which you most likely will. <laughs> um, so basically, if you ingest strychnine, um, symptoms can appear in as little as 15 minutes and up to an hour, an hour later for a low or moderate dose. And then if you get a high dose, it can show up in 30 minutes. So mm. it it's a pretty fast-acting poison. Um, Mads also had life insurance policies. Um, and I say policies because he had two. <laughs> and uh, she was very smart in the way that she went about this because... Um, on that day, July 30th, they were both active at the same time <laughs> because one started to take effect that day while the other one was set to expire the following day. So she was able to cash out on both policies. I just feel like that right there. <laughs> I'm like, OK, OK, yeah, you, you know, you 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 earned that one. <laughs> that, that was well planned. So since. She was able to collect on both. She made out with about $5,000, which in today's money would have been $182,000. And that's just from killing her husband. 
So, um, women take notes. Following, yeah, yeah, just you know, <laughs> little uh, opener on poison. Uh, so, following his death, Bell moved to Laporte, Indiana, where she bought a thirteen-room farmhouse sitting on forty-eight acres of land with the insurance money, and she moved there with the children. And I saw it being described as a pig farm, which will also come back into play later. What's that and story? That I make you read in social studies. It's about when they freed the people and they gave them like five acres or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I insane? Or is uh, it not a story? This has actually happened. Maybe I it know. was. I I think it was in the Emancipation Proclamation or some law following that, where they were giving you know the slaves, or they promised to give the slaves um, that, and then they didn't. <laughs> so. Anyways, somebody I mean, left it, a review and said, why do they need so many acres? Okay, it, I understand it's farming, but in my mind, I don't have a good concept of fucking time or math. So <laughs> that's a lot of acres to me, and that's really unnecessary for that much corn. Okay? Get wrecked. It's, it's funny because I make a reference to, to that later in my notes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I've been pissed. So, so um... Peter Gunnis, this is where she gets her last name. He was a widower with two children of his own, and the two were married on April 1st, 1902. And that's another red flag, Mr. Gunnis. Your marriage is a joke. Um, <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> a week after the wedding, while in Belle's care, Peter's infant daughter died of unknown causes. Well, that's one down. And then eight months later... Jenny called the neighbors for help when she found Peter face down with a broken nose and a large gash in the back of his head. Bell's version of events. Peter was reaching for something on a high shelf when he fell, scalding himself with hot brine, which I assume was on the stove because whatever, uh, followed by a meat grinder falling from a high shelf and hitting him in the head. I really think maybe she could have just pushed him in front of a horse. Well, that she's saying that's her version of events is that it was at all an accident. Um, but Peter's death, you know, <laughs> accident. I know. I'm like, you literally could have just said that, pushed you know, like something bed. fell on him. You could have put him on a ladder, <laughs> pushed him off the roof. Say he fell yeah. from a ladder. There were so many more plausible explanations, and yet you went a with meat that. Grinder falls on his head. <laughs> so okay. Peter's death was ruled an accident, and the coroner was the only person who was suspicious. He tried to instigate a murder investigation, convening a coroner's jury, but nothing ever actually came from it. So, shout out to that coroner. If the coroner is suspicious, maybe you should be like, okay, since you did the fucking autopsy. You would think, but alas, um, they did not listen to him. So, another of Belle's daughters from her first marriage... Myrtle, was reported to have told a classmate, quote, my mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell a soul, unquote. Did you just tell um, a soul? So clearly what you get from that is that children can't be trusted. Um, they don't they don't take pinky swears very seriously. But um, also, I don't know if she actually said this. Or if that's just, you know, something that a newspaper or somebody made up after the fact. I don't know. I can see a fucking kid saying that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Kids say some real, like, ridiculous shit. I know. One time, (laughs) one time, ah, this is a prime example. 
Um, my- <laughs> This is a little look into my life. Um, one time, my dad- my grandpa on my dad's side came over to my house when I was in first grade and beat up my dad in the front yard and then broke our window. <laughs> and my mom- <laughs> And why are you- You were saying that so casually. <laughs> and the next day, my mom was dropping me off for first grade and she said, Okay, don't go in there and tell the teacher. First thing I did, hey, guess what? Um, my my grandpa's on the run from the cops because he broke my window and uh, punched my dad in the nose. <laughs> I think they call DSS. I don't really know. You've you've always always been this way, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I was deliberately wow. told not to tell anybody, and that's the and first thing I did. fucking did. <laughs> wow. Like I said, walking red flag. <laughs> it's those big three. <laughs> Bell collected $3,000 this time on Peter's uh, insurance. And that is equivalent to 100 or yeah, $106,500 today. You said, you said that so casually. <laughs> you really did. I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm sitting here like, um, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like oh this is just another day in the life <laughs> well um from there we have miscellaneous deaths and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors and i say miscellaneous because i have no names but i have <laughs> Like, obviously, there were more victims. So so following Peter's death, she started to hire various farmhands to help tend to duties around the pig farm. And she would basically romance them, potentially marry them. I didn't see any evidence of that. But, you know, some sources say that she would marry them. Um, and then they would have a habit of disappearing. She fed them to the uh, pigs. So one of... Maybe. Apparently, one of the farmhands took an interest in... A then 16-year-old Jenny, who was the neighbor's daughter that she apparently stole from from the neighbor because um, she's still living with her. Um, and then uh, she disappeared soon after that. Okay. So Belle claimed that her daughter had gone off to college in California, but the lie detector determined that was a lie. Um, and there's no actual confirmed number of people she killed, but her body count is adding up here, so you can assume that it's pretty high. Um, I do have a couple of names, though. So we've got Henry Gerholt. Gerholt? Probably mispronounced that. Apologies, Mr. Gerholt, if that is your real name. <laughs> In 1905, <laughs> in 1905, she began putting ads in local newspapers that read as follows, quote, personal, comely widow who owns a large farm. <laughs> what? Stop. <laughs> That's so desperate. I, I mean, it's the Craigles <laughs> Craigslist of the 1900s. So, can personal. I read it? Wait, can I read it? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Personal. A com what? <laughs> comely wind widow. That's what she said. A comely widow. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> a comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Elport County, Indiana. It's Laport. Laport County, Indiana. Desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with the view of joining fortune. <laughs> 
No replies by letter considered unless the sender is willing to follow the answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. <laughs> she knew what she wanted. Triflers mean? need not apply. She did not want no scrubs. <laughs> so, essentially, like I said, it's the Craigslist of the 1900. And I saw that it said that they were marriage ads, but then there were some other things that said that she just put out ads for, like, wanted help around the pig farm. But I but mean, if you trifling, the, don't come. Yeah, if you trifling, she don't want you. <laughs> she don't want your ass. The postman claimed that she would get about 10 letters a day in response to her ad, which means the Riz is strong with this one. Um, as the kids would say, she got Riz. Um, when she'd write back, <laughs> she would tell men to liquefy their assets and visit her with their life savings in cash sewn into their underwear and not to tell anyone where they were headed. That seems like a very obvious red flag to me, but also why into their underwear? Why couldn't it just be like in their overcoat? Because <laughs> if they I don't were know, robbed, that... they're not going to search their underwear. I mean, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um. So one of these ads was answered by Henry Gerholt, who was a farmhand. He traveled from Wisconsin to Indiana to take her hand in marriage when he was there, he wrote to his was family. She ugly? It's it said she wasn't like the most attractive person. And I mean, like, if you look at pictures of her, she's not like ugly, ugly, but she's also not like stunningly beautiful. Is she like nineteen hundreds, like average? Yeah, I guess. Um, okay. but that's kind of what she admits to by saying she's a comely widow. Um, because I guess you could kind of say it's also sort of like home homely. Because that's usually used for that term. It's just, you know, I don't know. I'm rich. And I have a farm. She was, yeah. She's like, that's all you need. I don't need to be pretty. <laughs> I can provide. Basically, when he was there, he wrote to his family saying that he liked the farm. He was in good health. And then he asked them to send seed potatoes, which I assume is the, like, start of a potato plant or something like so that the roots will start to grow and form more potatoes i'm not a farmer though i don't have a green thumb i actually kill pretty much all of my mother's plants and her garden so please don't take anything i say about gardening with like any sort of merit because <laughs> i'm probably wrong um so after that the family never heard from him again so when they were potatoes I that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think he did, but when they were able to contact Bell, she explained that he had gone off with horse traders in Chicago, but that she'd kept his trunk and fur overcoat. And I don't know if you're aware, but Chicago gets cold as shit in the winter, so I'm like that's that should have been suspicious. Overcoat. No, he didn't. She said that she kept it. Oh. So that's why I'm like why did the family not think that was suspicious? Maybe they did. I don't know. That was like the end of what I found about him. So then we have John Moe, which, you know, is probably John Doe. Very it's, it's very close to John Doe, but it was John Moe. And I'm assuming that's his name, but I'm like, that's, that's a very boring name. I feel sorry if your name is John Moe of all things. So another ad was answered in 1906 by John Moe. He was from Minnesota and traveled to Laporte after having corresponded with Bell for several months long distance. He withdrew a large amount of cash once he arrived and then nobody saw him again. So you're probably noticing a pattern here. Um, 
A carpenter who did occasional work on the Gunnis farm said that uh, John's trunk was still at the house, along with, quote, more than a dozen others, unquote. How, do you do so, so how does he know it's John's trunk specifically? Did it have I, John's name on it? That's my only assumption. I don't know how he would know and then unless why he had did seen he get it when he came in. So close to see his name well, on the trunk. He's a carpenter, so he was probably doing, like, fix fixing things around the house. Because, you know, the houses back then were built primarily with, you know, wood. <laughs> like, you didn't have all the fancy materials that we have these days that you have options. Um, and and allegedly, visitors... <laughs> yes, mud and sticks. So, allegedly, visitors would come to the farm constantly, but they wouldn't ever be seen leaving the farm. Um... But Belle would be seen wearing their clothes and stuff around town. Usually their overcoats and their shoes. That's the thing. I don't know if they actually knew that they were those people's clothes, but they were probably obviously men's items. So what if she was a lesbian? They probably just made the connection. (laughs) With all the men that came there, I don't know. (laughs) But I mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, I baby. Uh, So she apparently, allegedly, created a dedicated room in the farmhouse for those trunks and abandoned belongings, which would kind of go along with that carpenter statement. And then we have Andrew Helgelian, or Helgeline, one of those. I'm going to go with Helgeline. He was a Norwegian wheat farmer from South Dakota, and he exchanged an estimated 80 letters with Belle. Like that? What? Like that kind Hel- of weed? Helgaline. No, you oh, said he's a oh. weed farmer. Wheat. Oh, <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> yes, that would have been very progressive for back in the day. Um, so I was confused. No, he was a wheat farmer with a T. Um, so they exchanged somewhere close to 80 letters. And in those letters, she showered him with words of affirmation and praise and promised him domestic bliss. Language. Apparently. Um, Also, just manipulation in general is her love language. Um, So one of the quotes from one of these letters said, quote, My heart beats in wild rapture for you. My Andrew, I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. And I would say that counts as premeditation. But also, he did stay forever. So (laughs) I guess she didn't love him. People are so, Um, like, out. Out of reality. In this fucking I know. time. <laughs> I can't. And so before leaving, he told his brother, I don't know how to pronounce this, Asel? I don't know. It's A-S-L-E. If you know how it's pronounced, please tell Asel. me. Because I, <laughs> cause I don't. Um, He told his brother that he would return home in a week. So when he arrived in Laporte... They were apparently seen at the bank shortly after his arrival, and he collected his money, and then he, after that, he was never seen again. Shocking. But this time, when he didn't- Shockingly wicked. When he didn't return home like he said he would, his brother became worried, especially after finding the letters from Belle that had been left- at his brother's place. So he decided he was going to search for his brother. And he informed Belle as such by, you know, sending on word that he would be there to to look for for Andrew, which, you know, makes she, sense. 
Why would he tell her, though? I mean, he probably didn't assume that she murdered him. <laughs> she was probably... He probably assumed that she would be heartbroken over the fact that, you know, Andrew had gone missing. I don't know. Finally, uh, we have Ray Lamp Lampier. It's Lampier. literally the words lamp and here in one word. So I'm assuming it's lamp here and not like fear because the PH sound. I don't know. If you know, tell me. So he was another man who was hired to work on the pig farm. He was supposedly smitten with Belle and incredibly jealous of all the men that Belle courted, especially Andrew Helgeline. Um, There are some sources that said that he was Belle's on and off again lover, but like I said before, you always have to take these sort of things with grains of salt because it could just be news articles making that up. So at some point, something happened between them to where Belle accused Ray of harassing her. So he was arrested for trespassing multiple times, and Bell even tried to have the court declare him insane. Oh, <laughs> so all right, um, such a jump. I yeah, I mean she she was just very much like I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin your entire life. Like we're so, gonna skip um, fucking what's it called? What are you? <laughs> what is it called? Uh, when you go to the court. Oh, for remediation? Some... No, it's for when you have somebody harassing you. God, oh, um, uh, cease and desist? No. Uh, restraining uh, order? Yeah, we just skipped the restraining order. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. She's just like, this man is insane. I want him committed. <laughs> um, so one of the sources I used is actually a book by an author that we are going to be reviewing. I mean, I've already done the interview, but you will be hearing it for the first time on September 21st. Um, the book is called The League of Lady Poisoners by Lisa Perrin. And in said book, she theorized that Ray may have actually known what happened to Andrew Helgeline, and he just knew too much in general, something like that, which is what explains the change in tune suddenly where Belle is trying to get him out of the picture. Although, for me, I'm like, why would she do that instead of just murdering him? Or framing uh, him. I mean, that seems to be the way that she took care of every other problem she had. So, um, Basically, she would tell anyone who would listen that Ray was threatening to set fire to her home with her inside of it. And then, on April 26, 1908, she went so far as to finalize her will with her lawyer. I guess she truly feared for her life. Um, following that, she went to the store and purchased cake, candy, and toys for her children, and two gallons of kerosene. <laughs> okay. So, Belle hired a guy named Joe Maxson to replace Ray as the helping hand around the farm, and for that reason, he was living in the farmhouse along with Belle and her family, which is important because the following morning, Joe woke up to find his bedroom filled with smoke. So he searched for Belle and her kids, who were Myrtle, who was age 11, Lucy, age 9, and Philip, age 5, but he couldn't find them anywhere in the house. So he went for help once he had managed to get out of the burning house, and after the fire went out, four bodies were found in the cellar. Three of the bodies were small, so presumably the children, and the final one was that of a woman who was presumed to be Belle. However, it had no head, so they couldn't really know for sure. So because of what Belle had been saying before about, you know, how Ray was threatening to burn her house down with her and her children inside, um, convenient, I know, that 
there are many people who believe that Ray had actually set the blaze. So he was arrested, and he did have some knowledge of the fire, but not about the bodies that they had found. And he happened to be wearing John Moe's overcoat and Henry Gerholt's watch. So, the investigation. Men began digging at the site of the fire to find more evidence to use against Ray in his trial. Um, Andrew Helgeline's brother finally arrived in LaPorte, Indiana, to find the farm had been burned to the ground. So he, you know, joined in on the efforts. And um, at one of the rubbish holes that Joe had dug at Bell's insistence somewhere on the farm, they found, you know, like a soft patch of earth. Because um, when you bury a body, it, the earth beneath it will have like a bit of a depression. Um, so inside that hole that they, you know, dug out, they found a potato sack. Oh my god, he got his potato seeds. <laughs> they found a potato sack with a dis dismembered body parts inside that were covered in quicklime. And I'm assuming the quicklime was to disguise the scent mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. or something along That's those lines. That's what it's for, yeah. Because yeah. they say when you have, like, something smelly in your house to put quicklime in it, like in the garbage disposal or something. Okay. Interesting. So the body would turn out to be Andrew Helgeline. So they called for the sheriff and they continued to dig because they found multiple, you know, depressions throughout the farm. And they found five more bodies that day buried around the property. Why wouldn't she just which, feed them to the pigs? Right. Pigs will literally eat anything. Literally. Um, all of which had been dismembered. And one of the bodies that was found on that day was Belle's teenage daughter, Jenny. So she lied about her going to California. Shocking, I know. I thought um, it wasn't her daughter. I thought she, I thought she I, stole I mean, her. It's, it's not, but she, I guess, was referred to as uh, Belle's daughter, even though she was not actually her daughter. That's what she gets for opening her mouth. <laughs> That's not what happened. It was because one of the farmhands uh, was eyeing Jenny. I guess she got jealous. And Is Jenny not the one that was like, my mom killed my dad? No, that was Myrtle. Oh. She, she did get her come up though okay. so like <laughs> okay either way the following day they went back and they searched for more bodies and they ended up finding at least nine more the yeah. numbers have kind of fluctuated depending on the source that you see in spite of all of this evidence you know pointing to the theory that ray was the one who set the fire it didn't necessarily add up one, the bodies that were found at the house after it was burned down were found in the cellar instead of in their bedrooms, which you would assume they would be in their bedrooms if the house was on fire, uh, like caught fire while everybody was sleeping. They were also stacked neatly on top of each other. The head of the one body had been removed, like I mentioned, which is awfully convenient um, because that's usually what is used to identify somebody because um, you would use either like teeth fingerprints which I don't think was really a thing at the time um, or I guess hair so I don't know there were very limited methods of identifying people at that time and they didn't have the way to do that so doctors believed that the body of the woman they kind of like ran some tests I guess I don't know and they were able to determine that she was probably closer to 5'3". And if you remember, Miss Girl is not 5'3". <laughs> and this was also included in, like, they accounted for the 
head being missing, you know? Like, obviously that's going to add to the height, but not not a five inches, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Don't quote me, I'm not the doctor. So the body itself also only weighed about 75 pounds, and though much of the body had burned away, that's still not... Like, there's no way that, like, 200 pounds would have burned away that fast. Yeah. And if so, she needs... She she could have, you know, cashed in on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that weight loss miracle, I guess. Miralax. Um, for these... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> for these reasons, there were still doubts that this body was actually that of Belle Gunness. And because of that, the rumors started that Belle herself had started the fire and used somebody else's body to pose as hers. She probably did. So upon testing the bodies of the victims that were found in the cellar, the children, they tested the stomach contents and they found arsenic and strychnine. I don't know why you needed both. Like, I feel like one Just to make sure the, the job was done. <laughs> True. It's a it's a failsafe, I guess. Um, but they found the same combination in Andrew's stomach. I like well. how she just like casually has arsenic. I know. Well, I, like I said before, arsenic was like very easily found. Like you could get it at the pharmacy, um, or the apothecary, whatever it was called at the time. But yeah, it was it was used very casually back in the day. Like you could very easily get your hands on arsenic. Like so casual. <laughs> literally, um, I think. Lisa in her book mentions that this time frame, like the Victorian time frame, was like the golden age for poisoners because <laughs> it was so easy to get. All that, of that like stuff. you can't like really prove it. Yeah, they say like um, so antifreeze is like one of the best ways to poison people because it mimics symptoms of like the flu. Yeah, and it some, also has something. apparently like a sweet taste ish. Obviously, not the yeah. Like time. you can put <laughs> it in like <laughs> your sweet tea or something. I watched a. There was um, one case that I saw. I don't even remember what the show was. It was probably Dayline or on something. ID, where a mother ID, tried ID. to. Yeah. On ID. Yeah. It and was so they, murderous the, women or the something. The mother put it in Gatorade. Yeah. The mother put it in oh, Gatorade yeah. or something. And she'd killed her previous husbands. And then she tried to poison her daughter as well. But her daughter Maybe I did watch this um, one. didn't actually die. She got really, really sick and whatnot. But because she didn't die, they were able to figure out that there was antifreeze in the Gatorade that she had been given. And so then they exhumed the bodies of the two husbands previously who had also died mysteriously and found that that was the same thing that had killed them. So yeah, it's estimated that she killed about 28 people. Real number is unknown, but basically her, the way she would do it was that she would poison them, dismember their bodies, put them in one of those burlap sacks and then bury them somewhere on her land. And this is where I mentioned, you know, you asked why anybody would need so many acres. And obviously the answer is to hide bodies. So, yeah. So, wait, DLG knows. Take that. You <laughs> clearly don't know. And thanks for the two stars. Um, many of the victims could not be identified. So that's kind of unfortunate because there are probably a lot of families out there who went without answers to what happened to their loved one. But it's also entirely possible that she targeted, you know, lonely men who didn't have families. I hate who... to be like this, but that's what you get for answering an ad in the newspaper that says, let's combine our fortunes. Why would you do that? She asked you to liquefy it and put it in your underwear. Come that's, on now. I mean, you're not wrong. I like, Get real. This, I feel like 
Neve is that his name from Catfish? He yes. he would have he would have had a field day. He You're not Kinuff. He would have he would have been rolling in the dough back in the day. That would have been his prime. So for for the trial for Ray, um, in spite of all of the evidence pointing to the fact that Bell was the one who likely committed these murders and then burned the house down, Ray still was put on trial. His defense was that he couldn't be tried for the murders because she wasn't dead. And then the bodies in the house were killed by poison and not the fire. <laughs> so essentially what he's saying is like, I might have started the fire, but I didn't kill him. <laughs> That's a good point. So his defense lawyer apparently said this, quote, Mrs. Gunnis was one of the most notorious of women criminals. We will show that she had a clear motive in burning down her house and poisoning her children on that memorable night. We will show that this was the crisis in her life of crime and that she was afraid that any hour her career of crime might be uncovered. And although he wasn't actually charged or found guilty of the murders, he was still found guilty of arson in November of that year and sentenced to 21 years in state prison. Damn. So, allegedly years later, he confessed to being Bell's accomplice. He claimed that she had asked him to burn the house down with the um, woman's body inside and that the body uh, they believed to be hers was that of a murder victim that she had planted to mislead investigators, which, you know, that would make sense considering it was the only one with its head chopped off and because of Asil Helgeline's message that he would be coming to look for his brother uh, that was the impetus behind why she enacted this whole plan to fake her own death and then escape Ray believed that Belle was still out there somewhere alive and very very rich <laughs> and um, she should be the, if she got allegedly... away with all this that's, you know what I, yeah, I'm like this. This case like literally threw me through so many loops because I'm like, there are so many red flags here, and nobody's picking up on them. Like, are people really just that horny? Yeah. <laughs> like they would literally risk their lives for the for some punani. They didn't what, even get it. Probably. <laughs> uh, probably not. Like as soon as she got their money, she's like, all right, bye. <laughs> so, um. There were alleged sightings of her throughout the years, and there's some other confession that might have happened. Um, but I think I saw that it was, like, disproved by somebody. But it was, like, a journalist who said that he murdered in, like, a different way and whatnot. But you can look through the sources and see that for yourself. <laughs> so, the aftermath. Bell Gunnis was pronounced dead officially in spite of the testimony of the doctor who said that the body in the cellar was not hers. In 2008, they did attempt to compare the DNA of the headless body and a sample of Belle's DNA that they got off one of her letters. But unfortunately, the age of the samples made it so that they couldn't properly be tested because I guess they probably weren't preserved very well. Um, the Gunnis Farm became a tourist attraction where people would see the mass graves and concessions and souvenirs were sold. And that kind of speaks to the fact that people have always been morbidly curious about true crime and things like that. And it's like there being a gift shop at the end of the Titanic Museum. You know, it's like... Which would be okay if it was just the movie stuff, because they did have some movie stuff, like you could buy a replica of the Heart of the Sea and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I don't want to walk around with a sweatshirt that says RMS Titanic. Yeah. Personally, I mean, you might, and that's a little questionable on your end, but yeah. 
it almost reminds me of like the true crime girlies who make merch about like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh my god, on Etsy, Ted that's Bundy. disgusting. Yeah, it, it's vaguely re- reminiscent of that. Because and like, if you do that and you're listening, don't listen. You're not welcome here. I don't like you. Same. It's that's just gross. It's disrespectful to the victims to profit off of something terrible. Yeah, that you're to exploiting. Them. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, arguably true crime podcasts can do the same. However, I would like to think that we focus more on the victims, or at least we try to, than the killers themselves. Like that themselves. fucking lady at the fucking true crime museum. museum. <laughs> You're exploiting victims. Well. Bitch, I am a victim. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we're not going to tell somebody's story if they don't want us to tell it. Like... There have been a few times where we've reached out to somebody to see if they would want to talk about it, and they said no. And we don't and even talk about the story. Yeah. So, like, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it. If Sorry, somebody... I can't reach out to Belle Guinness. <laughs> yeah, bitch is I mean, fucking dead. Unless she's immortal, in which case, I mean, more power to her. She's got that money. Mm-hmm. So, it's likely. I'm whipping out my psychology degree here that Belle suffered from. Well, not suffered. She had anti-personat anti-personality uh let me let me try that one more time (laughs) antisocial personality disorder um aspd is one of four cluster b personality disorders and the cluster b also includes borderline histrionic and narcissistic personality disorder and arguably is the most misunderstood group of personality disorders if you ask me in order to qualify as somebody who has aspd somebody must exhibit at least three but usually three or more symptoms of uh this disorder since the age of 15 and behaviors include but are not limited to disregarding or violating the rights of others unable to distinguish between right and wrong difficulty showing remorse or empathy both of which require some level of relating to or caring for other people, which is something that is notoriously difficult for antisocial personality people to do. Um, Manipulating, hurting, and lying to others. And while they may not have many close personal connections, they have a surface-level charm to them that draws people to them, um, which makes it easier for them to kind of manipulate and hurt people. And... I will say that not every single person who has antisocial personality disorder is a killer. <laughs> I just like throwing that out there. You can't make that assumption. There are there is like a strong a high correlation between people who do turn out to be murderers or serial killers especially who have antisocial personality disorder. So correlation does not equal causation yada yada sciency stuff. So they're a uh, psychopath. Yeah. And Technically, psychopathy doesn't really exist, but, um, you know, it's 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 become it's the word that people tend to use when they mean somebody who has antisocial personality disorder. But nobody's going to sit there. Yeah, that or sociopath. They're not going to sit there and say antisocial personality disorder repeatedly because it's very hard to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a tongue twister. Um. And then there have been a few pieces of media created with her as the subject. A couple of those are Method, which is a film that was made in 2004 starring Elizabeth Hurley as someone named Rebecca, who is an actress who is portraying Belle in a film that's being shot in Romania. So it's a film within a film. Yeah. I love her. 
same. She's bae. Um, then there's a movie called The Farm, which came out in 2021, starring Tracy Lords. That's based on the story. And there have been many books and other podcasts that have talked about her, but I have personally not re- listened to any of them. So sorry <laughs> that I'm not being original here, I guess. Um, one of the books that includes her story, like I mentioned before, is The League of Lady Poisoners by Lisa Perrin, who I have interviewed. And that episode will be coming out on September 21st. So keep an eye out for it. And that is the case of Miss Bell Gunnis, who uh, gatekept girl bo- What was it? Girl boss gatekeep. No. Gaslight. Girl boss gaslight, whatever. Girl yeah, boss I, gatekeep know what I'm gaslight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she she's she's the definition. Girly, she's just a girly pop who's looking for a quick buck and who hates <laughs> men. And I can't really say I blame her. Maybe her <laughs> methods are a little extreme for me personally, but yeah. girly pop. Thing. <laughs> well, she clearly did, and um, and from, she got away with it too. Yeah, from all intents and purposes, it sounds like she very much faked her own death and probably went off to live her best life in like Brazil or some shit. <laughs> I'm fully aware that if this was a man, she would be in the Garbage Man Association, and yeah. she's probably in there too. But like, oh, yeah, I don't know. She's a girl, so I like her. <laughs> The bar has never been lower. Um, so, yeah. like She's, she's original. I, Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't hear a lot about female serial killers. And so that's why, like, a lot of the stuff that is in these, like, newspaper articles and whatnot, you have to take with a grain of salt. Because, firstly, you know, for the time, they would have absolutely villainized her for everything. Yeah, well, now- she murdered people for sure. But um, let's just say they didn't deserve it, though. I mean, that's, that's what they get for being that's the thing. Because <laughs> there, are, well, because there are a lot of stories of women who murder because they're trying to get out of abusive relationships, and that's like the best option. You know, I- like in Mean Girls, when he goes, "Don't have sex." You'll die. <laughs> yes. You'll get pregnant and die. And die. <laughs> that's the story. That's really what she's telling us here. Yeah, really. They had sex and then they died. Yeah, exactly. They they got the punani and they went to heaven. So I don't know if they went to heaven. <laughs> I they probably went to hell because they're men. I mean, you're not I'm wrong. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Men who listen. God dang. Calm down. <laughs> I already can see the reviews. Type in now. Brit, you should just say something controversial every single episode. Uh, <laughs> Get, okay. t- tank our ratings. Okay. <laughs> so um, I would love to hear what you guys think about this case because, like, I like I said, I had never actually heard of it, but I was watching. You're going to make fun of me again because I know you you made fun of me last time. I was watching Mysteries of the Museum on the Travel <laughs> Channel, and they talked about <laughs> Belganis on it. So. <laughs> what a weirdo. So, Listen, I find history fascinating, and I, I have that but I'm playing not in the background. Mysteries of the museum. I, it's mysteries at the museum, and I wasn't like actively watching. It was on in the background, and then it was started to get interesting, so I paid attention. Um, we already know you have to know this museum. about me. We have three it, movies. No, it's, it's called Night at the Museum. <laughs> it's talking about art of like things that they find in museums and the history behind them. In case you don't know what the show is. Not you specifically, Britt. I know you don't care. 
But, um, yeah. You can just watch Ghost Adventures for the first 30 minutes, and then we'll tell you all the history you need to know. And then you can move on to the next episode, because they get a little dramatic on the ghost part. They also do a lot of ghost adventures on the Travel Channel, so that's that's also another one that's in the background. used to be all I watch. (laughs) Very frequently. But that's all for us today. Thank you so much for being patient with us. I can't guarantee that we are going to be consistent from here on out because I am still a depressy mess. They're not um, going to be patient with us. I said something controversial. Now our ratings will tank. Yeah. And I said something about Republic. I got to say something about Democrats next time. Well, I mean, stay tuned. They're all so bad. They're, they're all the they're same all these days. I'm a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it from us today. You can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Chalking the Wicked Podcast. We're on no, X, Twitter, no, whatever not. you want to call it, at Wicked we Podcast One. There. You don't post there. That's your job. <laughs> I'm not posting on X. Elon Musk gets on my fucking nerves. How are you going to limit my post? I gotta, I'm got. i looking at the fucking Twitter bot for the merch for the fucking Taylor Swift story. You're going to limit my post? 600 posts a day? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> very passionate about this i can tell yeah she turned on post notifications <laughs> for taylor swift merch on the podcast twitter because she doesn't have one herself and now i get notifications all the time and i'm like oh my god i'm going to kill myself <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we are on x slash twitter slash whatever you, the hell you want to call it at wicked podcast one we are on tiktok at shockingly wicked we are on facebook at shockingly wicked podcast and we are also technically on youtube we don't post but you know check it out anyway at shockingly wicked podcast as well um you can find our website which is shockinglywicked.com if you have case suggestions submit them through the contact form or you can send them to info at shockinglywickedpodcast.com and i believe that's everything for today um brit do you have anything to say before we sign off this was actually a really good case to talk about since we talked about barbie in the beginning <laughs> i know um this really was the the feminist anthem for for our for season four. <laughs> All right. All will... you men listening, some of you may be kinuff, and some of your jobs may be beach, but some of you probably suck. <laughs> you just have to figure out which one of those you are. I'm not going to tell you who you are. Figure yeah. it out yourself. We're I do everything ke- else. <laughs> going to keep you guessing. So that's all for us for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you whenever we see you. (laughs) Bye! Peace out.